three, two, one. with another episode of sower in the state soccer this is chris the mls guard guy i've got nashy with me he's he's uh i don't know are you are you okay nashy we, we need a vibe check here are you okay buddy yeah i'm all right i'll, I'll pull myself out of the uh out of the black hole for the for the good of the podcast and the siren people so we're here we'll, we'll see how we get on it's it's a tough one it's a tough day obviously very raw but both of our teams are also out uh, so obviously us goes down to, to Holland and we're joined by, uh, the, uh, the whiz kid of, of German soccer. Uh, this is Mike. How are you today, Mike? Yeah. Hi, Chris doing, uh, I can't say I'm doing fine. And you're talking about the world cup. Was there one? I, I don't think so. Yeah. Did, did yeah your your team part? was out before either of our teams. So it was out before the, the first stadium was dismantled. I just saw on Twitter, <laughs> great performance, but uh, I think Germany wasn't that bad. They really. Uh, they lost the World Cup stage in 20 minutes in the Japan game because mm-hmm. Spain was quite okay. And then they won against Costa Rica. So they did what was necessary, but they just lost again everything in 20 minutes in Japan. And yeah, it should. so Germany, they all say, okay, it's a defense thing. We, we're just lacking uh, high quality defenders. We just have Antonio Rüdiger. And then we missed somebody else who is able to defend properly so that maybe a tie against Japan would have been okay already. Yeah, yeah. it's them fine, fine margins, isn't it? Who, who who was like the standout player? Obviously, Musiala was getting a lot of attention within the SoRare community, but also kind of worldwide attention for kind of kind of his first performance on the real world stage. And he obviously done pretty well. Um, who was your kind of standout guys? Is there any positives to take from this for Germany? Yeah, I would really, really, would really say it was Musiala. Because uh, he was the one doing everything in the last game with uh, Costa Rica. He was dribbling left and right and tried everything. I think it was, uh, it hit the post two times. So really a big promising player. Uh, What we have a little bit is um, a striker issue. Because uh, normally with Thomas Müller, was a guy who was always uh, good for one or two goals or at least an assist. And now currently we had lots of chances and the scoring wasn't luck, unfortunately not very good. And this was one point in German media as well. Yeah, so we'll definitely get more into the World Cup and Global Cup from a sower perspective. Uh, but we've got a lot of things to get to today. We're going to touch on uh, the ETH threshold news and just how that kind of impacts us going forward. And then we're going to really take kind of a, a full look at everything that's happened so far in the MLS offseason, kind of get you caught up with all the ingoing, outgoing transfers. Uh, so we'll do that kind of more towards the end. Um, but obviously want to want to get back to the World Cup here and, and start with the Global Cup. Um, so uh, how how has the Global Cup been for you guys? Obviously, there's there's been a ton of activity on SoRare. Um, do you think this is really a lot of more players that are on sober and kind of trying things out, you know, for the first time? Um, or I've seen a lot on Twitter that there's just a ton of multi-accounting going on. Is there, is that a concern from, from this Global Cup, you know, experience for you, Nashi? Um, well, it's, it's to be expected somewhat. I mean, when you give stuff away for free, there's going to be a subsection of people in any walk of life that's going to, try to exploit certain things but um 
I think the the positives. I'm I, you know, the numbers, the the sort of analytics of the data and people joining and buying a card I, are somewhat relevant. But I think the positive takeaways that I took were from how it was executed. It's been pretty seamless. It's been pretty intuitive. The cap system that they introduced for football or soccer for the first time um, seemed pretty pretty reasonably done. I think there wasn't any like glaring errors on their end executing that. I like the updates to the sort of user interface. So them kind of things that matter to me as a player, I was I thought they were the positives to look out for. I think that what you're alluding to there in terms of onboarding, in terms of retention, in terms of people exploiting it. I think it's a little too early to say, and it's it's kind of hard to put, like, I feel like people are taking that as a criticism of this whole thing, but that's not really in Sorez's fault, you know, like they can only do what they can do. If people are exploiting it, then I don't think it's necessarily indicative of um, what Sorez is doing. I guess in a few weeks, months, and maybe a year, we'll see the actual impact on in terms of onboarding, in terms of people becoming aware of SoRare. And I think that's kind of the first big marketing push. You're not going to get instant results, but I think it's the first thing they've kind of done outside the box to try and have a big onboarding push. And I think that they've done some things very well for like the first time. And yeah, do you have any any thoughts on top of that, Mike? Um, am I off the mark there at all? I think I'm not quite sure, but I think it was really the biggest fantasy game for the World Cup, right? So we had half a million participants, even if there are some multi-accountings happening, let's say we, we go very high, let's say 100,000, and which means we have uh, 400,000 competing. And I guess worldwide, this is uh, not rivaled. So therefore, great success on that. Cap mode was great. And the thing is, Maybe they had it uh, a little bit too high with this 50 uh, points you can then spend after the group stage and once again then every stage because 50, from my point of view, seems a little bit too much. I know they want to have, keep everybody on board. So if you're losing two or three players, which could easily happen, that you can uh, nevertheless play. But uh, the, yeah, this is the very first thing they are doing for a World Cup. And uh, from my point of view, they simply did great. So if I would have imagined something before in our latest podcast or the last one, I said I will not take part in the Global Cup. Don't pay any. Don't uh, pay for any players. Didn't do it. But I played the the free game because it was fun. Yeah, and I think that's obviously the big takeaway. You you mentioned you know how many people might be multi counting and how many people might have actually you know participated. It's still a huge number. And and to be fair. It does look like the rate of of people who actually own a card has increased since the start of the Global Cup, um, if if ever just slightly. Um, so I don't know, maybe five hundred thousand is is a little high. We're we're closing in on two hundred thousand people now that own a card. Uh, so we should hit that in the next few days. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just very interesting to see um, kind of more people being being able to come onto the platform. And to your point, Mike, there about you know, having too many points in the salary cap. Um, I thought it was, you know, you get one or two stars in the group stage, basically. Um, and then after that, for the next drafts, you're basically picking up two stars every single round. Um, so unless, you know, 
you know, the unfortunate, you know, like me of, of grabbing Kimmich and De Bruyne maybe in, in the group stage and both of your stars are out in the group stage. Um, you're, you're, you know, as long as you're carrying your stars forward, you end up with a team full of stars by like at, at least the round of 16 or at least the quarterfinals, if not the round of 16. And yeah, I think that made it, you know, it, it wasn't like you were trying to find uh, that, that great player from Morocco who's going to put up 60s. Uh, that was really underpriced. That was really not even a thing as as late as the round of 16. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of fun to play with, you know, the Messi's and the Mbappe's and all the the huge cards that everybody can't afford. Um, but at the same time, I would like to have seen more of a, you know, find the undervalued gems type of a player, which is what a, a lot of what Silver is, uh, at least in my view, is trying to find the undervalued guys that are that are going to go up. So I think that was my biggest maybe criticism of the of the tournament to Nashi's point everything was very smoothly run uh everything looked great they had you know prizes coming out all the time which was awesome the national series I love I've done the whole U.S. set now um for a, a really reasonable price obviously um so yeah I, I think overall really successful um kind of rollout and and great to see them um kind of capitalizing uh and and love to see how how many new players this brings in and and how much more demand we get off of this. Any last thoughts on this one, Nashi? No. Yeah, I think exactly right. I think they they did a good there. I understand what you're saying about the scouting, but they're, they're really, this was a marketing push to target new users, casual users yeah. for now. And you have to do what you got to do. And you can't have people not being able to field a team. You want to keep them engaged and be able to pick this big star player who's breaking out and doing great in the world cup. It's, it is what it is. It's not maybe not for the so rare purist, but that wasn't their goal. So we got to right. Um, and it was it's an even playing field. Like whenever things are an even playing field, you can't really complain too much. And that's the beauty of the cap system. And that's what we'll get into. I'm sure. Um, what they've done really well with the NBA, and now we're going to see over here. Yeah, so it'll be great to see that capped uh, league kind of coming every single week now. Um, obviously, for those who don't know, the ETH threshold is moving to a cap-based system now. So it'll be in their own competition where you have a max of 240 points. There'll be no bonuses. So each uh, scarcity will play exactly the same way, which I think is an interesting dynamic. Um, there won't be that that huge bonus on the super rare or uh, or even the rare side of things um, to, to kind of get you over that 250. Um, it really brings things to everything will be level now. Everything will be um, very, um, I don't know, uniform across the scarcities. I one of my one of my problems with the ETH threshold system was that it was only rare and it just really didn't make sense to explain to a new player why the second level up has an ETH threshold payment and none of the other levels do. Now that's all gone. I think that makes a lot more sense. Um, so overall, love the new idea about, about the ETH thresholds um, and, and love to see how they'll implement this. How does this change things, Mike, for your you know gallery planning? Um, do you do you kind of focus on this now is 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 obviously still the way to ETH farm. It's a little bit harder now. Um, but how do you how do you kind of focus on this? I'm not quite sure. I would disagree because this is exactly what uh, MLS should really could be about it. So because the thing is, you have those uh, with MLS, you have lots of goals. So your defenders uh, vary a lot uh, in regards of L15, which is now uh, the number you need for a threshold. And therefore, you can pick uh, good strikers 
then offensive midfield going with it and even can be a little bit above this so if you divide the 240 uh, through five you need 48 and you need uh, at least two to have decisives to get the 250 with a very high so positive decisives and you don't have the other three then have negative ones then you should be able to make it and the good thing is then if you vary your defenders you should be nearly able to have the midfielder card or best thing would be to take two midfielder cards and uh, a striker nearly the same all the time if you just vary the defenders because some of them always get hurt with MLS and um, in the European team if you go with uh, Bayern Munich forget about it it will not work anymore and with MLS you have the variety and uh, it, you don't have this great team that is dominating everybody especially next season could be really good when we are mentioning later on the new signings uh, it's everything is is uh, in in movement all the time and really looking forward and i would say with mls guys you are so i will i will talk it uh, rare and uh, limited threshold i think nearly every week whenever they play and i think it should be should be not easily reachable for sure because the 240 capped uh, with no bonuses at all to reach 250 it's yeah it's it's um, below 50% that you're averaging that that if you have a little bit of uh, possibilities and switching so i guess you need 15 to 20 cards in total uh, just uh, when i when i think of the nba because they're running this cap mode right now but with bonuses but if I, because I'm playing that a little bit on the side right now as well, uh, as I don't have any any teams currently being uh, usable within the normal SO5 with soccer. Uh, so I would say 15 to 20 cards and MLS should be really uh, very good for getting those uh, thresholds a little bit more than uh, the expectations are. And, yeah, uh, I want to I want to build on top of that. I think the, the ML this if you have an MLS based gallery, this change and the timing of it specifically is fantastic because it's coming at the end of January. Just you can you can always smell the first kickoff yeah. of the MLS game at that point. People are going to start building and focusing on this new competition then. And like you said, I think that people will start to realize even sort of the anti MLS brigade in Surrey community haven't committed to the dark side yet. I think they'll start to realize that the MLS for this game mode will have some sort of natural, efficient things that happen. Even if you're just looking at home versus away, we always talk about the power of home games, home fixtures in the MLS. But that's a brilliant sort of metric to sort of piece select in this because I haven't done any numbers on it, but I'm sure there is a significant difference between performances, especially some of these defenders in their home games versus their away, same with the attackers. And that's what you kind of want. You don't want the guy who's just smashing out 60 every week. You want the one who's letting in three goals away from home and getting a 15, but then at home pulling out a clean sheet. I think of Vancouver might be the ultimate the ultimate um, true. Uh, cap mode stack for this reason because they get pumped away from home because they're traveling all over the world. But then everyone's got to do the opposite and come up to them and they, they get lagged and tired and can't do anything. So maybe... Maybe there's some little um, efficiencies there in the MLS specifically, which yeah, I'm excited to get into. Whenever the game mode changes, kind of excited to to sort of start thinking about new strategies. It kind of changes everything. It's not enough where it's a whole new game, but yeah, it's definitely exciting times. So one of the strategies that I kind of thought of um, is having 
having guys coming off the bench is now not the worst thing in the world anymore, right? Because that guy that comes off the bench, if he scores, that goal is worth 35 points because he's going all the way up to that decisive. So if you get that super sub that scores like every other game, uh, he's either putting up a 25 or a 60. That's perfect. That's exactly what you want. Um, so kind of looking at that kind of around the league and trying to find those guys that that end up doing that. And a lot of times those end up being like the young guys, right? Like the Jack McGlynn type guys. Um, he did that a lot last year where he'd come off the bench and he'd put up 10 AA. And if he scored or assisted, then he was having a 70, 80. And if he didn't, then he was having a 35. So I think those kind of guys get even a, a little bit of a, a, a bump from this or a boost from this as well. So, um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how this actually plays out. Um, and I think it will be, to Mike's point, very difficult to actually hit the threshold. I don't think uh, even 50%, I think, is way too high because you got to factor in DNPs. If you have a DNP, you're pretty much dead off, dead on arrival. Um, so it'll be, uh, it'll be very interesting to see, uh, how this, how this kind of shapes out and how people change their, I don't know, change their mindset, change their gallery building. Um, and, and to Mike's point again, I, I do think this really helps MLS defenders because they can be very up and down, which in the normal course of action is not the greatest thing in the world, but in this specific style, I think it, it actually does help quite a bit. So I think, yeah, this is definitely the right league for for this uh for sure just any other thoughts because um saying that about a super sub i realized i picked up dejan jovalich and he could be the most (laughs) most valuable guy and even though he scores two he scores too often so it kind of goes back to the opposite uh effect but yeah Uh, i think yeah that's what i mean i hadn't even thought about that that's a really exciting one thing i'd really love perhaps my favorite thing about this new thing i love the competitiveness enough even in the playing field but as a West Ham fan and Chris is a DC Chicago fan, now you can really start to justify collecting, but with without just kind of punting in terms of like strategy. Because some of these guys, like you said, you've got like a you pick out like the the backup striker for you know Mikel Antonio for West Ham. You pick up someone for DC who's kind of in and out of the team. There's no real reason to do that right now, even as a fan, even if you love that guy. But with this new capped mode, there's going to be a week where the star striker suspended goes down. And now your backup striker, Ola Kamara or whatever, whoever it ends up being that year, is going to become a fairly effective card to play and like really valuable. So now, like for me, that's always been a thing when I'm thinking, I want to buy up all my West Ham players, but sort of 60, 70% of them are almost unusable in the old get in the old game. Whereas now with this, you know, you, if you're following injury news, you're following things just like the NBA, the guy who's kind of was completely useless before might have two, three, four game weeks where he's actually really effective. In, he's in overpowered. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I think it really will, you'll start to see more galleries of teams that people actually love and these kind of tier two, tier three players that before were kind of hard to justify getting other than just pure collectability. But yeah, that's something that really excites me personally. Anybody that you're picking up, Mike, specifically for this threshold? I don't think so. <clears throat> so hopefully my gallery is already spread out. Uh, and uh, I don't have only top-notch guys because, for example, still hoping that Kai Wagner is leaving to Europe. Then I have Matt Real, and he is, what, 37, 35, uh, L15. The only thing is, yeah, they can build up fast, especially with the Philly defense. Uh, but I 
I have some uh, a lot of young guys, um, and therefore should already be pretty pretty well. I hope that one or two breaks into the into to, uh, the starting eleven. I'm not quite sure whom to be honest, because uh, Oseni Buda, for example, has um, not the best percentages right now to go into a start. Um, let's see. But if one if uh, if one or two go in. And um, yeah, okay, Reed Bakavitting, I hoped would be maybe starting for the Saunders once or twice, but now I heard he's going to Germany, to Freiburg, by the way. Uh, but there's rumors, lots of rumors, he's uh, only training with them. But uh, my, my squad building already is done. At least I, I said that five or seven uh, times the last two weeks, and then I bought some players, but um, never, never say never. But I hope right now that I'm in a pretty good spot and don't think that I pick one up specifically for this new threshold. Hope it already is fitting. Has yeah, it made think... you think to jump? I see you've got some really nice super airs, some good underpriced guys. You've got a sharp eye for that. Has it made you consider jumping up to uh, attack the uh, super air threshold too? Has that, has that sprung in your mind? Yeah, yeah, it did. But the thing is, uh, currently I have six super airs. So three defenders, two midfields, and then uh, one forward. A good thing is all of them should be starting or at least playing frequently, but uh, for being able to attack the threshold uh, and on a continuous basis, you need, uh, first of all, a goalkeeper. And uh, to be honest, you need one starting. So you can't go with a, with a, just a blank because then with four, uh, with four playing uh, players, no chance to reach the threshold. It would be just coincidence. And then you need at least one more striker because if my striker is injured, that's it. And yeah. um, therefore, it, it simply is spending too much. I, if my performance is good, because I, uh, for MLS, I uh, built up pretty good uh, rare teams now, then uh, my hope is that I win one or the other player and uh, sell them and try to go for super rare mid of the season maybe but uh, I have to see how it develops but will not target it right now but I think you can do it with your squad well that, yeah I was going to say that's beautiful to hear because that's exactly what Sora want right what you're talking about there is incentivizing progression and you're saying before you you might have said well what's the point of buying a super a keeper and moving up you'd have kept your rules now it's actively in your mind I'm going to try and win some rewards and then make that job buy that piece that's going to allow me to move on move on up to the next scarcity to the next thing and that's exactly what i think this is done for the game yeah you mentioned it too i, I mean i i um i'm actually got really lucky with this personally uh because i it seemed a little bit of a, a sort of punt on my part but uh, i was kind of had a little bit of my gallery was gambling towards something like this happening so super is becoming more relevant at some point, because it, it it was kind of one of them things where if it never did, then almost it felt like the concept of so rare didn't make that logical sense, you know? If rares are the same price as super rares, it kind of... So I felt like there was going to something happen. So my composition of my gallery is I have 74 rares and 46 super rares, which is, in the old game, was obviously kind of absurd and a waste of resources. But for once, the gamble paid off, I think. I've got four keepers be playing um for the rest of the season so i'm gonna be i'm i'm fired up man i'm ready to get in there i'm gonna unleash all these mls boys on these uh on these big whale accounts and show them show them what's up you know they're gonna be they can't just run there and bappes they're messy they're gonna be getting 
I mean, Gaston Jimenez is going to be uh, going to be showing him who's boss. So I'm really excited. I think, yeah, it's great for the MLS. I've got a bunch of MLS cards to, and I think, yeah, like I really think I can compete now with the top top accounts with its new game mode. So I'm really excited. Chris, I know you picked up a, a Brady Guzan Super Rare. Is that the is that the turning point for your gallery? Are you, are you all in on the uh, on the Super Rare thresholds now, or what's your plan? All in on the thresholds, yes. All in on Super Rare now. It's still it's still a lot. It's still these these cards are still pretty expensive. So we're still building up to uh, to kind of having those guys. I I did have the plans of competing, having one team in D two last year or for this next season. That's why I had the Guzan. Uh, and also his, his price was literally less than his rare card at the time. So, um, I did pick up, I did pick up a Guzan at a great price. Uh, so now it, it, it kind of unlocks the threshold and one threshold at super rare pays for that Guzan. So that's, that's kind of huge, um, as far as being able to progress and, and you kind of nailed it. It's a great, great announcement for me because, uh, it really kind of, bolsters a lot of what my gallery is built on which is those undervalued not star type guys um all throughout all different scarcities so yeah i think selfishly i love i love it um is it good for the game i think so overall um so i i nothing but good things to say about the new update here um now i i do want to get to um some of the uh ingoing and outgoing transfers from mls but first uh, we we do need to cover something here. Um, obviously, very very tragic news about Grant Wall's passing at the World Cup uh, in Qatar uh, just I think a couple of days ago now. Um, and I know a lot of the people that we talk to, kind of covering the MLS, a lot of the reporters are very very close with him. Um, and obviously, he was uh, he he had some some controversial things with with some of the authorities in Qatar. So. Um, very tragic time. Uh, and, and I just wanted to kind of shed a light um, on the story. So if you haven't heard uh, about the Grant Wall story, just go ahead and look that up um, somewhere on on Twitter or, or, or whatever on Instagram. I think there's a, a video out there. Um, so absolutely tragic stuff. You never want to you never want to see this uh, realistically. Uh, and it's it's really tough to, to kind of, you know, be covering this and, and kind of make relationships with people and see them kind of, you know, really hurting. So um, at the end of the day, uh, we are, we are all human. We all have to kind of be there for each other. And, and this is a really, really tough thing for uh, really the American soccer community uh, as well as uh, obviously his family and, and, and close friends in the, in the media of the American soccer community. So um, I just wanted to kind of shed some light on that. Um, I know you guys haven't, haven't talked too much to to media guys, but uh, but I've uh, I, I've got a few relationships out there, um, so definitely sending our best thoughts to to good friend of the show Tom Bogert. Uh, in in tough times, tough times uh, for sure uh, overall in this in this uh, situation. Um, so let's get to some ingoing and outgoing transfers here. So we've got um, let's start with the outgoing first, all the guys leaving, uh, MLS. So let's start with this first uh, Montreal, obviously getting dismantled right now. Uh, Kone is off to Watford. Alistair Johnson is off to Celtic. Um, Wanyama's leaving. The coach has gone to Columbus, Wilford Nancy. Um, did I miss anyone? I, George yeah, I is gone to, to Azed. Um, is Montreal the worst team in the league now, Nashi? We'll see. I mean, it's it's a massive task for whoever's going to come in and have to rebuild that. But 
you know, I'm an optimist. So I think, I think there's room to play. It's kind of like rebuilding the gallery, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to pull the pieces for this upcoming season. I think you, your money, them not doing well is probably smart money because regardless of how whoever they bring in or how good they are, to put that many pieces together to get some consistency um, straight into the season is pretty tough for any organisation franchise. They've got to be looking now. If I was a Montreal fan in their shoes, I'd be looking. I'd say, all right, don't worry about this next year coming up, but let's really have a plan over the next two, three, four years to rebuild because it's a clear moment for that you know they've been all absolutely gutted like you said lost the coach it's a clear break off where they're like okay let's let's rebuild next two three years let's make this franchise give it an identity let's see where we're going rather than just kind of rush put pieces together bring guys in and just try and get a team out there i really hope they don't do that for their sakes but i'm, I'm kind of excited to keep an eye on it because I, since i've been really following the mls i haven't seen this level of sort of a sort of rebuild from the ashes. So it'll, it'll be see, fun to see how that process goes and see see what they can do. Um, what's your thoughts, Mike? Hey, you forgot one thing. They don't have a goalkeeper currently. So they, as far as I know, they uh, haven't uh, re-signed Preza or Pentamis. Um, so therefore, without a goalkeeper, it will be hard for them. But uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure where they're going. I read something on Twitter that maybe they're bringing in Pentamis once again, but currently no goalkeeper. Then they are missing yeah, their defense and some midfield pieces. And uh, I got a rare Robert Kyoto and really hoping <laughs> that somebody is providing him with some assists because otherwise he doesn't get the ball. Really an issue, uh, issue with scoring. Otherwise, he's a really good forward. But yeah, so I'm hoping for January to get some information about some pickups from their side. If they, it's not something promising, it's maybe it's then in January a good time to part with some of the Montreal pieces. Yeah, so I did a, a, a little informal <clears throat> kind of spreadsheet to kind of track, you know, all of the MLS teams and all of their salaries. And, and this is going off of salary data from last year, so it's maybe not 100% accurate. Um, and also, you don't know how much GAM or TAM that teams spend or have. Um, so it's 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 kind of a rough guesstimate at where teams are. Montreal right now has the third most, quote unquote, cap space of anybody um, to go out and, and try to find some new pieces. Uh, and, and they've got no DPs as far as I know of. Um, so they've got a ton of flexibility, like you guys said, to kind of rebuild this from the ground up. Now, that's going to be difficult to do, having no coach and having one offseason to do. So I think Nash, you may be in, in the money here, uh, just kind of punt this year and, uh, you know, start to look towards 2024, basically, um, or at the very least, get some decent players in who can kind of hold you over and maybe make you a little bit competitive uh, in this window. And then if you're still somewhat close to the playoff race, Maybe you really attack in the summer transfer window and try to get some big, big names in um, and maybe try to still compete in 2023. But I, I think they've, they've obviously got to get a coach in first so they know what identity they want to do uh, and what kind of formation and who they need to really target. Um, and also, uh, this is Montreal. Like, they're not traditionally big spenders. The Wanyama deal was by far the biggest one they've ever done, and it's really the only big one that they've ever done, uh, as far as I remember. So there's a they've got a lot of money to play with, but 
they've never really played with a lot of money. So I, I'm very interested to see how this all kind of shakes things, shakes out. Uh, another team that's in a lot of flux right now is Orlando. They've got Jalmutinho heading to Spezia. They've got Junior Urso, who is uh, just leaving the club. He hasn't announced where he's going yet. Uh, they are bringing back Mauricio Pereira. A um, lot of lot of kind of comings and goings so far. Galese still up in the air. Um, what are your thoughts so far on on this, Mike? I believe you're a Galese guy, aren't you? Galese yeah, older. Yeah, I was, but then um, I got scared off. I was scared off exactly, and then made mm-hmm. a trade, not in my favors, with Pavel Trader for uh, Casio of Brazil, so of Corinthians. Uh, his performances are really good, but uh, so in hindsight, it seems he will resign. Uh, but nevertheless, I uh, wanted to have a keeper outside of the MLS. So therefore, even if the trade was uh, once again to Pavel's favor, I'm really waiting to get one trade in my favor with him, but uh, it will take some ages. That will never happen. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, so, but I'm, I'm not that pessimistic with Orlando. Uh, so yeah, they're missing uh, a good defender and somebody for the midfield, but they have the pieces. So Antonio Carlos is still there. Uh, Jansson is still there, so the centerpieces. Then you have um, Cesar Araujo, who is really developing. He's 21 and a good defensive midfielder. Then you have Mauricio Pereira, as you said. So the, the key pieces are intact. And therefore, uh, yeah, they will not win the MLS Cup next year, or they make one or two big signings. But at least I would say it's potential to uh, hit the playoffs once again, my prediction. Yeah. You didn't even mention the big piece that they have, which is Facundo Torres, man. Yeah, I totally on. forgot. Yeah, but he's he the biggest thing. piece of all. <laughs> yeah, because um, you have this limited, right? I forgot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, so Orlando in in my kind of salary cap rankings comes in somewhere near the bottom with a decent amount of cap space, um, but they have the fewest players, I think, under contract um, of anybody that's in in my kind of ranking. So uh, they they do have a lot of. I don't know, depth or, or holes that they need to fill uh, depth wise. Um, but you're kind of right. They do have some of the, the higher end players. Uh, is this a team that's going to make the playoffs next year? Or, or is this still too early to say that, Nashi? It's too early to say. I mean, you mentioned Facundo Torres. Uh, there was a lot of rumors about him going, but he's such a good player and such a key piece that you, you, it almost feels like if he goes, it could be a massive massive dent in their, any playoff hopes but if he stays yeah. there and they can put a piece or two around him like you said they've kept a lot of their sort of key pieces I'd say so they, they were in and amongst it this season I think they definitely will have reason to have hope to to push on next season but I think keeping Facundo Torres at the club is the, is the key there because he's a he's a differential talent um, in this league so yeah if he's in there they can build around him and, and that could be the difference if he goes, that's a massive loss. I don't know if you can replace that loss, especially in one one off season. So, um, is is Cara good enough and productive enough up top for Orlando? I think so. Um, I've, I mean, I got to, to watch him live um, when we went out there, and he's a he's a player who's going to rely on creativity around him, on patterns of play, and getting deliveries into him. Maybe there's always that trade-off with big sort of powerful strikers like that. They're a bit poachy. They're not going to get the ball, drop in the hole, beat a man and bang it in the top corner, but they're going to be in the box. So you kind of need to do the work for them. They have creative players. I think sometimes it takes some time with sort of 
said before, he was a big signing for them. He's supposed to be a big player for them. Sometimes it takes a season, couple of seasons to find out as a team how to get the ball to that guy in the areas he wants to get it to match up with his runs. And I think we'll start to see this season whether he is the real deal. Because at the minute, he's kind of done okay, but he hasn't been, he's nowhere lived up to expectations. So I think you can put the blame on him, but I also think there's a bit of responsibility for the rest of the team to figure out how can we get the best out of him? Because he's a big body, he's physical, he's played in Europe. He can, he's scored goals over his career. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't write him off just yet, but yeah, it's a big season for him too. Yeah. Interesting to see, obviously, a DP spot now open with Mauricio Pereira uh, re-signing as a non-DP. Uh, so Orlando can bring in another difference maker, um, but that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Another team that's been making moves so far this offseason is Colorado. They traded for Kevin Cabral from LA Galaxy. Uh, they brought Cole Bassett back from their loan uh, from Holland. Um, I believe Jossie's artist is now a free agent. Um, oh, he's with Austin. Be... What I what I heard of, he's with Austin, right? Oh, is he going to Austin? Uh, I'm pretty sure that I read he's going to Austin. Very interesting. That's a, that's an interesting move for him, actually. Um, so we may get into that, but yeah, Colorado uh, making making some serious moves here. Did not have the season that they wanted to last year. Jack Price in and out of the lineup all year uh, was just not himself. Uh, they've got um, what's his name. Galvin coming back from a year-long injury. Um, there's some pieces here for Colorado to kind of work with and play around with. You get a flyer on Kevin Cabral for very cheap. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Nashi? Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Cabral. Huh? Um, he's not been my favorite player this season. I've watched a lot of the Galaxy and a lot of him. Um, <clears throat> Colorado, traditionally, they're, they're kind of a well-run franchise. They, they tend to pick up good players. So maybe they see in something I don't. Obviously, he came. His performances in Galaxy were a bit hedged against the expectations and the price they paid for him, you know. And in the, in the LA Galaxy as a DP, there's big weight on your shoulders, and he he didn't have the quality or the production to to justify that. But then, like you said, they've got him on a bit of a bargain price, and maybe there's some upside. He's got pace. He's played in the league for years, but I I don't see it. But I think you know, as a squad player, as a player potentially off the bench, if they can. Fill him out. He's got he's got electric pace and he, he he's good enough. He's played here. I think he, he's not the worst sign. I can't criticize him, but I don't think he's going to be a game changer for Colorado. Let's put it that way. That's that's about as nice so, as I can say. So <laughs> cap wise, they're not taking a huge hit. LA Galaxy is playing paying for most of his contract. Uh, they've they've parted with a, a bit of gam, but it's also this year and and next year, so it's spread out a little bit. Uh, and and this is kind of fits the same profile as Jonathan Lewis, right? A, a very Kevin Cabral is like a, a, in my mind, he's kind of a rich man's Jonathan Lewis, right? He, he's mostly a speed merchant uh, who's who's better on the wings and hasn't really provided great service. That's that's essentially what Jonathan Lewis was when he came over from NYC, and he's now turned into at least a half decent winger who's who's semi productive. Um, I would say the the closest comp as far as getting a guy who's very uh, who was very hyped coming in that didn't perform great and kind of trading him in um, trading him within the league to a team that really knows what they're doing. And this reminds me a lot of the uh, Carranza deal last year between Miami and Philadelphia, 
and that worked out great for Philadelphia. They really they they stole Carranza. Uh, is this the same situation here, Mike? You need to apologize immediately to <laughs> Julian Carranza. That is horrific. Hey, we'll see. We'll see. That's what Carranza was at Miami. He was very ineffective, and Philadelphia got the best out of him. Cabral clearly has talent. They just he, he's not he's not showing it right now. He doesn't have that final ball. But that's something that Colorado's taught Jonathan Lewis in the past. So I don't know. Am I crazy here, Mike? Are you on Nashi's side? Yeah, the question is really how they play because um, so if they if Sardis is going to Austin, they're missing their center striker. So then they have, as you said, Jonathan Lewis. And then uh, Estevez, as far as I know, is going back once again. So they haven't um, haven't extended the loan or bought him. So therefore, they are li- uh, missing a left winger. As, or a left offensive midfield, uh, but they are getting a check price back. So there is a lot of potential for providing assists, but I fear that they move Rubio to the center striker position once again, losing a lot of AA. And then the question is if he can score. Um, so for the rare perspective, yeah, not 100% sure how this is working out. And I'm not quite sure how the lineup is, or they are going for another center striker. So this is really, I want to have the first uh, preseason game lineups and then I can tell you if it's a good thing or not. Yeah, I would assume that Colorado is picking up another um, DP level striker, right? Obviously, I, I said this with Montreal, Colorado's not really one to spend big. So it's probably not going to be a huge, huge name. Um, but I believe they have a couple DP spots open. I'm looking that up now. Um, by the way, speaking of, Speaking of those threshold type guys that kind of come off the bench and sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not. Jonathan Lewis is a 41 L15 average, but he put up one, two, three, four, four games above 70 last year. So he's a perfect kind of, that's exactly the mold that I'm kind of looking for with that, with that threshold team. Um, So yeah, that'll that'll be a very interesting one to kind of follow and, and see how that pulls out. Colorado has no DPs and they have the fourth most cap space of anybody to kind of add, add more uh, players, I guess. So I, I actually really like where Colorado is. They're a smart organization. They know exactly what they're doing. I'd love to see them splash some cash on a big striker and, and really try to challenge. Cause I think they could be really, really good next year if they, uh, if they get this right. And obviously Cole Bassett coming back as well uh, is, a, is kind of an underrated big deal. Um, Let's talk about another, I I don't know if this is getting enough publicity, uh, big deal. Evander is heading to Portland, one of the top players from Denmark, I believe. Uh, And he's really, really good uh, as far as playing in Europe as well. Uh, Comes over to Portland in a a big money signing. I believe it's 10 million is the the deal. Uh, From all that I've heard, he's a difference maker and he's going to make Portland a whole lot better. Is that kind of your take on things? Have you seen him play at all, Mike? Or, or I haven't seen him play, but um, he was on the European level, as you said. I think in the UEFA uh, Conference League, and he was the leader in assists there. So it should be quality level. Interesting thing is how he how he is fitting in the system of Portland because Portland were one of the first players I bought. So therefore, I know a little bit about them. And question is, so I think he is more or less position of Blanco. So question is, is Sebastian Blanco's days over? Is he super sub now? I think so. And uh, uh, then the first question, okay, um, is uh, which center striker do they play? Is it Aspria or is it Nisgoda? 
But I think uh, whoever it is, he will get more decisive because uh, if you say uh, Evander is playing offensive midfield and maybe Chimichara as well because he did, that, did this lately, there should be a lot of productivity there. Definitely. So I would say um, Portland definitely um, a contender next year if they can keep the defense steady. They have um, yeah quite okay pieces. With Bravo, one of the best defenders in MLS, I would say, I would say. but the rest is not up, up to his level. Uh, but with the offensive midfield talent they now have, if they are playing in the lineup, uh, then should be really, they should score way more goals than last year. Any thoughts yeah, on yeah. Portland there, Nashi? No, I was going to say, I think Evander's a massive sign-in for Portland, but it's also a massive upside for Soria because he's a kind of player that, He's going to be on the ball. He's going to be on set pieces. He's going to be creative. He's going to be involved in goals. And I think this league, the way we know it for these kind of number 10 players, really, really favours, really set up for them. So I think his potential in the MLS is massive from a Soria and a real-life standpoint. Portland really underperformed in terms of sort of franchise expectations last year. I don't expect to see that again. I think they've... They've proven enough times that they can they can be competitive. This is a statement move saying kind of we're back as far as I see it. I think they back in themselves. I think they're going to put make sure that they're not going to just spend ten million and bring in a big DP and then sort of neglect the rest of the team. I think they're really committed to making a push for the playoffs with championships in the next year or two with its signing. So yeah, I'd be I haven't got any Portland players, so I hope I'm wrong, but. So Mike's got a Yumi Chara super red. I'm a little jealous of him there. But um, yeah, I think they could be competitive next year. I think you could have got a bargain there, Mike. Yeah, but you don't have to be jealous. Just buy one. <laughs> it's on the market right now. So it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. I think, for uh, below point, uh, point 0.5, you get one if you if you haggle a little bit. <laughs> All right, I might have, to, uh, might have to get in the lab after this. Let's see. But you you bought the Ricky Pooch, so don't say anything. <laughs> so that's, that's what I, I was... I was going to say, Nashi, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being Kevin Cabral and 10 being Ricky Pooch, where is this signing for you, Evander? Um, I think I think it could be... I think I'd, I'd give it an 8. eight. I'm really confident about his impact. I'm really confident about his quality. He's a good age. He's young. He's 25, I think. Like, makes a big difference, you know. Like, it's a, still a physical league. Not so much on the field compared to some European teams. But, like, like you said draining, traveling, that extra being 25 in the youth, in the prime of your life, is going to help him settle in quicker. He's got a pedigree. His play style, his position is set up in this league and he's going into a franchise who knows what they're doing. They're going to hopefully get the best out of him. So I'll be really optimistic about him. I'd like to have one of his cards, but he's a little bit pricey now. I mean, it could turn out to be an absolute bargain. I think his upside's there, but um, yeah, keep one to keep an eye on for sure. But yeah, I think it's a I think it's closer to Pooj than a, a Cabral, I'll tell you that. So anyone that follows the MLS very closely knows that championship teams are not made from the Evander signing. They're made from trades within the league for young, cheap, or not necessarily young, but cheap talent uh, that kind of fills out your roster and makes you really complete. LAFC are the kings of this. So uh, big trades, notable trades within the league so far. Uh, Derek Williams goes from the LA Galaxy to DC. Buffa Picolt is going from Nashville or from Houston to Nashville. 
our tour heading from Columbus to Houston and Tim Parker heads from Houston to new brand new St. Louis city SC SC or FC. I don't know. We'll have to check on that one. You forgot about um, Pedro Santos, right? Yeah, it's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, Pedro Santos from Columbus to DC as well. Um, which one of those deals or, or signings are you paying attention to Mike? Which one's the biggest one? Um, so I think Tim Parker to St. Louis is pretty good because uh, with Lutz von Enstiel, you have uh, a German guy heading uh, the front office there and he knows what he's doing. So he traveled the world. If you just have a look at this retail, uh, he's, uh, he's really, he's seen a lot of soccer and he's bringing in a, a world-class goalkeeper. And therefore, uh, if they are choosing Tim Parker, there is something behind it. So he was with Houston, Houston always getting a lot of uh, goals. So therefore his scores are not great. If I was looking for a defender, I would really have a look at him because uh, then uh, unfortunately you have to pay uh, for the goalkeeper as well. And there are nearly no cards, so prices uh, for Berkey are pretty pretty high, I think. It's so not easy to get, but I guess that Tim Parker will get a, a bump for, for next year. So not quite sure. First year, always not that easy, but uh, I guess that they are building on a solid defense because this is Lutz Pfannenstiel's signature. And um, then let's see what they, they, I don't know any of the guys in the midfield. And uh, so I, I, yeah, I, I think from uh, another defender is somebody from the German Bundesliga. Forgot the name. It was a Swedish guy, I think. And therefore, could be could be pretty solid. And then, really, the question is how they develop uh, midfield and then uh, the, the strikers. But um, Tim Parker, I think, for me at least, is the move to watch and maybe even buy. Yeah, I mean, real life wise, Tim Parker is a, is a big, big move. And it was big news when he moved from Red Bulls to Houston a couple of seasons ago. And everybody thought, eh, Houston's now going to try and going to try and play, going to try and uh, and try and be players in the scene. And they really haven't since then. Um, so now he moves to St. Louis. And, and to Mike's point, everything that I've seen from St. Louis is first class run. Uh, the stadium build, the roster build, how early they've been signing players. Everything that I've seen, even the expansion draft was fantastic. Everything that I've seen from them is really signaling good things. So I, I do expect St. Louis to, to be a player uh, in, in this in the MLS for this season. Um, Nashi, what, what about you? Biggest trade so far that you've seen uh, within the MLS? Not the biggest, but one that I really liked, and it's for DC, and it's Derek Williams. And I watched, um, I watched a fair amount of the Galaxy, as you know, and I think that he's a player that gets kind of no love. He's a bit rash at times, but he's a defender that week in, week out is going to put his body on the line. He's going to put everything on the line for the team. And for a team that's kind of in the in the position that DC has been in, trying to pull themselves off the canvas, I think that it's not so much Derek Williams' ability, but what I gained from like his his application. He's a, he gives everything. You know, he's a fighter. He's a scrapper. He's a He's a bit nasty at times, but I think that you kind of need them people in and around the camp. So it's not for his ability on the field. He's a decent defender. He's proven to be at the level of the MLS, but he's not going to be a franchise-changing player. But I think him going in there is a good thing. He's the kind of character that DC need at this point when they're kind of a bit all over the place. So what's your thoughts as a fan on he's he's on, a really on the, on the guy, signings right? of DC in general? Yeah, I mean he's a Rooney guy, right? Like he's 
fits exactly what Wayne Rooney was. Very gritty, very, you know, throw it all on the line for for the for the badge. Um, I'm torn because I do like the mentality. I don't dislike the player. He's very expensive for what I would deem basically our strongest position is center back. Uh, we already had three decent center backs and, and Pines is becoming a decent center back. Um, so I don't know why we add a fourth one there unless we're going to play a, ba- a back five or back three. Um, so that, I don't know, roster building wise, if that really makes sense. The player itself, I, I'm excited to see him on this on the squad now. Um, I it's terrible news for Heinz Ike. I think he's got no chance of playing much anymore. Uh, I still think Birnbaum is going to be the other starter opposite Derek Williams. Um, but again, Heinz Ike and, and Pines, there's just there's no way to get them on the field. They're they're center backs, like they can't play another position. Um, maybe you could try Pines as, as like a fullback, but I, I just don't. I mean, the dude's like six eight, like he's not going to play fullback. So seems like they seems like they've gone for experience and in, the, in their kind of defensive rebuild. Yeah, it kind of felt like it was a show off, and they've gone for Tyler Miller instead. They got right. some of these young options, but he said, "No, we're going to bring in someone who's been around the block and yeah. back there." I want maybe a back five is an option. I'm not sure. You know, Pedro Santos out there on the left. I don't know what, what other pieces you've got there. There's some other rumors. Is um, they signed that Iraqi left back as well? So those are two of very similar players. Um, I don't know who's going to play right. Oh, Andy Nahara play right back. Actually, he's back. Um, so, I mean, yeah, this is this is a team that he's definitely building defense first, which is Rooney style. As a fan, I don't love it. I don't want to watch it. But I mean, at least hopefully we won't be getting pumped seven nil against Philadelphia every week, or, you know, that we play them. Um, I think D.C.'s defensive stack may be sneaky good because. That's all they're going to do is defend. Basically, they're they're not going to concede a ton of goals. I don't think. Um, I don't think they're going to score any goals. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it keeps them near near the line. I think it's going to be a lot of being close, but not quite being good enough. Because I don't think we have the midfield at all. I think we're going to get run over in the midfield. Um, so I don't think we're ever going to be able to really unlock Taxi Fontos or, or Benteke. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes for DC. I, I think it's a decent signing, but I'm not sure I would have put my resources there. I would have put my resources in the midfield. They need two, three big midfield signings for me to really start to be excited about this team. And, and they've obviously got the link to the uh, the guy from Leeds. So hopefully that comes through and, and they add a couple more guys after that because DC does need some some serious help here. And we'll see what, what Rooney can do before the start of the season. But this isn't an episode if you haven't mentioned your boy, Chris. What's up with Aaron Long? He unfortunately uh, not played in yeah. the World Cup and right now. I heard rumors he's going to Galaxy. What's up? Didn't play. I mean, the Derek Williams trade does make some room. Cabral trade makes some room. But again, um, according to my you know salary cap rankings, the Galaxy are dead last as far as salary cap space. They have the most... Uh, committed money to next year. They have a ton of players. Can they make it work in the salary cap is, is I think maybe the biggest question. They may still have to, you know, move somebody else to, to make this work. Um, they do have a DP spot open, but I don't believe he's allowed to sign as a DP as a free agent. Since he wasn't a DP with New York. Um, I, I think that's a rule. So 
it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, he's from California, so that makes a lot of sense for him to go there. That'd be a big upgrade for them. But um, I don't know. We'll see. LA's kind of kind of sort of your team there, Nashi. What do you think about Aaron Long coming coming to play in the sunshine? Yeah, I mean, it'd be a it'd be a good signing. I think it would work for both parties too. Uh, just whether they can make it happen is, like you said, the deal. I don't I don't think any. I mean, as much stick as uh, some of us give Aaron Long internationally in the MLS, he's he's proven he's been top level defender in the MLS. So um, no disrespect to him there. If he'd make the Galaxy squad better for sure. But like you said, he. He should know his worth, and if they haven't got the, the room to manoeuvre, then it's, it might be a tough, tough uh, deal to get over the line. But Galaxy seem to find a way often, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think I think it'll make a better. I think it'll be a good move for both parties. So one to keep an eye on um, for sure. I want to go back to DC real quick. So you seem very are you are you dampening your expectations just out of years of. Um, being worn down or like because I'm looking at it and although I'm not thinking they're going to be in the championship hunt they have to be better than last year right Fontas had his first year he's had some moments but he had all that stuff going on Benteke didn't even really get going yet in the league but he's he's proven and he can be effective if you know they're putting together some of these defensive pieces I kind of like Andy Nahar I think he's a scrappy good player you got you can kind of see what they're doing. If you bring in a click like they've been linked to from Leeds, you really still think that you haven't you haven't got enough, or like you think you're. Far, it sounds like you're talking like you're too far away. But I'm looking yeah. there with a little bit of like I know I like to brag on DC, but I I think that it's got to be improvement, right? Well, right now they're probably three midfield signings and a decent prime creator away uh, from being a, a pretty good team. The problem is they don't have a ton of room. They they don't have that much room to work with, right? They've already got most of their team kind of under contract. Um, so I don't think they literally, I literally don't think the salary cap can bring in that many players. And that's because they've had three coaches in the last, what, two, year and a half-ish. Um, so they've had three different, totally different philosophies that they've been trying to build towards. So they've got guys that they committed a lot to. Like, I don't think Fountas fits. Um, I don't think Fountas fits Rooney's system at all. Like it, it I don't know where he's going to play and they've committed obviously a huge amount of resources to him. So um, theoretically, I mean, they could bring in a bunch of people, but with the way that the front office is, I mean, they fired the GM. So you're bringing in a new GM. Rooney's relatively new. Um, so I think it will get better eventually. Hopefully it'll, it'll get better. Um, I just don't know that they have the resources that some of the other teams have that don't have a lot of talent. Uh, so like talking about Montreal, right? Right now, DC is better than Montreal, but Montreal have way more resources to bring in new players than DC does. So, um, that's, I think where my, I don't know, skepticism comes in and the midfield is really, really, really bad guys. Like they need, they need three starting midfielders period end of story to even be remotely competitive. Um, and they have zero. So, and that's if one of those guys gets hurt too, you know I mean? You bring in three and if one gets hurt, you're still up, you know, up a Creek. So um, it's, there's more optimism than I think there was last year, but there's not a lot of optimism yet. Let's put it that way. Is that fair, Mike? You think that's fair breakdown of DC? Mm, it 
Yeah, as defense-wise, yes. To be honest, I'm not that familiar with the midfield, and I'm still a little bit. So, by the way, I think you haven't mentioned that they have signed Tyler Miller, which is a big piece. And yeah, uh, but to, I don't so think the, Tyler Miller is an upgrade over over Bill Hamid, though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah Hamid was a little bit injury prone. And I True. Think Tyler Miller, Tyler Miller is not that. So therefore, it is more stable. Uh, what I still haven't. Um, I, I still don't know why they they gave away Nyman. So this is uh, they they have this ton of of young guys. If one of or two of those even have a breakout, then let let's see. So I think Rooney is and going. Paredes to, did so. have a breakout, and they still <laughs> sold him. So you know. I know. To, to be fair, you're you're 100 right about the youngsters, right? The Akin. I still don't know how to say his name. Akin Bomi or whatever. I I don't know how to say his Hopkins, name. Hopkins, I think, is one. Hopkins is another one, um, but the 15-year-old the kid, I believe he's a defender, though, so that, again, doesn't really help us that much. I think defense is by far the strongest part of this team, which is why I don't really get the Derek Williams trade, but um, they've got some guys like Ted Cootie, Pietras coming through. He's, he's a decent talent. Jackson Hopkins is a decent talent. It's like you integrate some of these guys, and, and you start to look like somewhat of a team, but again, none of these guys play center midfield. None of them. Like They had Sophie and Jafal playing central midfield who was a third round pick out of Oregon state last year. He played the whole season and you know, he tried his best. Like he was, he was not as bad as most third round picks would be in their first season, but he was still a third round pick playing the entire season in the central midfield. Like you're just getting run over there. And anyone who knows football knows that if you get run over in the midfield, it's very hard to be successful. So that that's it. Like they need center midfield. I, I don't, I, I don't get bringing in a defender, bringing in a left back, you know, bringing in two left backs actually has been their main signing so far. Now bringing in this guy from Leeds is great, but they need like two or three more of these. So, you, Is there any, uh, we talked about for Gundo Torres, is there any transfers that will be blockbusters the other way, like star players leaving the MLS that hasn't happened yet that you, you got an eye on, Chris? Is there anyone that like, you, you think there's a genuine um, chance of like, all right, I think he's he's going to go and that's going to rock, specifically the so real world, but obviously the MLS. Yeah. I mean, to Mike's point, Kai Wagner, I think is for sure out. I think he's he's he wants to go back to Europe. Paxton Aronson is gone. So you're looking at Philly and kind of one of the strengths of this team was their depth last year. And they're get, they're, they're taking a pounding on the depth side. Uh, Jack McGlynn's another one who may leave. He's got some serious interest. Um, if they can hold on to him, I think that he's a really good like threshold player because I believe they re-signed Bedoya to a one-year deal. So I don't know if McGlynn fully starts, um, but he would be playing every single game off the bench, and he's one of the primary creators when he does play. So um, that's one to keep an eye on. I think Philly is, is probably that team that, that you're talking about where they've got some guys that are probably going to end up moving overseas. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I I don't know think, that anybody think, else um, that's huge is going to leave. There were some links that were specifically worrying to me because I picked him up of, around uh, Jesus Ferreira going to Europe. Do you think after his World Cup, non-performance, no chance. there's zero percent chance, right? What? I don't even think it was the World Cup. I think he's he just signed a he, a long extension to be a DP in Dallas. I, I think there's no chance that he leaves. He's a he's a Texas guy. He's born and raised there. He loves Texas. He owns a farm there. I don't think he cares about Europe. 
Um, maybe, maybe he does. And maybe not playing at the World Cup is the wake-up call like, oh, I can't just stay in MLS and play in the U.S. national team. So maybe that pushes him to go. But I, at least three months ago when he signed that extension or however long ago, maybe it was over the summer, um, I would say there's no chance that he leaves because he that was a long-term extension to be a DP and he got all the money that he could get in Europe. So, um, yeah, I, I would say he's probably there for a while. But you, I don't know, Velasco might eh, – I don't know. I don't think there's big rumors on Velasco. As of it, yet. it brings me around to, my, to this question. I see your most recent purchase has been a rare Jonathan Osorio. Obviously, he fits into that category of the transfer risk. What were your thoughts behind him? So I, I just wanted to ask both of you because we the listeners are so rare players. I just wanted to ask you uh, what is currently as of today the defensive stack of MLS and the attack stack you would just uh, think is the best for next year. And this brings me to answer your question because uh, okay, defensive stack wise, stay safe. It's Philly uh, for sure, and I would go um, Blake and Glasnes, I think. Or Elliot, but I got the closeness of closeness. And then uh, second thing is Yarbrough and Wilson, because I'm pretty sure they rebound and uh, for the prices should be fine now, especially Wilson, very cheap, should be fitting into this uh, threshold as well. Bringing me to the attack stack. So the I got Banadeski rare, uh, which are really, and the forward card. So, which is uh, really making a difference because um, Toronto made uh, uh, or got a lot of goals, uh, and the forward card is really a gem, and you don't have that much. And currently, he's listed in uh, as a mid in Soraya, which means the new cards will be midfielders as well. So, the forward cards, I guess, will be very expensive. So, if you want to have one, by the way, no financial advice, <laughs> you can buy one uh, now. And then Osorio, there was a lot of rumors that he's leaving. But uh, now after the World Cup, uh, I read on Twitter uh, two sources that it seems they Toronto is in uh, talks with him. And uh, current price is around 0.14. And I th- uh, this is simply something I a risk I take. Because if I get the forward stack of Osorio and Bernadeschi, I think this is dominating next year. Not quite sure about Insignia. Uh, could be this is simply um, chance and risk, and he is too expensive for me. But I, I take uh, Osorio and Bernadeschi every day. What yeah, about you? I, I, w- I wouldn't argue with that. Um, someone I think I picked up, so there's a disclaimer, but I think that Ucho um, Hernandez is going to kick on. Obviously, he did it, he had a good start to his MLS career, but coming in mid season is tough, as we know, and he still looked great. But I think this year with uh, Zeller Ryan, they get a preseason together, really saw glimpses of what they can do together. I think I haven't got a Zeller Ryan because I've got my own reasons. I've kind of got too many Jordan Shakiris in my gallery. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've got to take the rough with the smooth there. But um, I think that uh, Cujo Hernandez could have a big, big season this year. He's top quality, top pedigree. And I think with the creativity behind him, which you need, um, I think. He's someone that's kind of not talked about very much for some reason. Like, it's kind of like he was a big money signing, actually, but you very rarely hear much around him in MLS circles or content and stuff. But he's a top pedigree, number nine, goal scorer, does everything. A bit like, he reminds me a little bit of play style like prime Joseph Martinez, which obviously can be frightening for the league. So um, he's someone I'm, I'm looking at who, yeah, like obviously, yeah, I think the Insignia is in the 
career, see if he stays, are going to smash it again. But someone I haven't really been hearing too much about that I picked up, I think could have a big, big, he's a quality player and can have a big season. So a little bit off base there. You got anyone, Chris, that you're, you're looking at as a sort of, not under the radar, but someone you, you think is going to, going to have a real good season? I think that's a phenomenal shout about Cucho. And I didn't really think about Columbus, but Columbus gets a massive coaching upgrade in my opinion, right? I think Wilford Nazi is one of the best coaches in the league and they've got some serious talent there. Like uh, maybe the back is a, is a little suspect. They need some help in the back. Um, but going forward, like you mentioned Zellerian, but even Nagby, like sometimes, like I think a, a big problem with Toronto last year was when Osorio wasn't playing, they would people would press them in the back and the defenders would just lose the ball and there you never got it to you know those big names up front so there was that kind of disconnect between the defense and the midfield or i'm sorry the defense and the forward line and they kind of get run over a little bit in midfield um and i think nagby is what really makes columbus immune to that because he just never ever loses the ball so you're always going to be able to play play out of pressure through Nagby, find Zellerayon, and then you've got Cucho going going crazy. I think Columbus needs a few more pieces, but I think they've got a really good core. Um, as far as other other teams or other players that, that could obviously play well, I mean, Seattle is going to be back with a vengeance, I think, this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they keep and what they don't, because I don't know that Rusnak worked at all. So I think they need to get rid of something there. Uh, and then maybe add a few more pieces that are a little bit more complimentary. Um, so th- that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, I don't know. Other other specific players that, that could be really, really good. I mean, Johnny Russell could be pretty decent in, in Kansas City. I like that they get Gaddy Kinda back. They get Polito back. So the defense isn't solely focused on Johnny Russell anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, love, really, uh, really I love I love Tommy. He's German, yeah. right, right behind Johnny Russell. In yeah, I love Eric Tommy. What do you know from him? From did you know him much when he, I think he was at Stuttgart before, and he came in kind of under the radar too. He's he didn't he had some performances being kind of a disjointed team, but there's a lot of buzz around his talent specifically. Uh, is he someone you're excited to see this season? To be honest, it's not a name mentioned in Germany, not at all. So therefore, this is as you said under the radar completely. Um, Stuttgart currently has uh, the only one who's really a standout is Mavropanis as a defender. He's really good, but for the other guys, simply uh, um, always um, always playing against relegation. And he was not somebody that was mentioned specifically. So therefore, it's it's always good if we have a further German in the MLS, but it's not something I can tell about. I never watched one game of him. Yeah, I mean, Sore specifically, he puts up some pretty promising scores. He's got sort of AA scores in the 20s, 30s sometimes, which is a bit frightening for a sort of a set-piece taker attacking mid in the MLS. So he's, he's one to keep an eye on too. Um, I picked one of him up. Uh, That'll uh, be interesting too. We we talk a lot about goalkeepers, Mike. Uh, that Sporting Kansas City goalkeeper race is going to be very interesting to see between Mealy and Polskamp. I have no idea which way uh, which way that one's gonna gonna kind of turn out. Part of me thinks that Melia actually has a chance because I think um, I think Peter Vermees is kind of coaching for his life here. They've had one bad year and he's been there forever, but they had one bad year. If they've two bad years in a row, there's gonna be some some questions. 
So they've got a lot of talent back. I don't, I don't think he's going to play Pulse Camp just because he's the younger future option. I think he needs to win this year. So I, that's why a, a part of me thinks that Melia might have a chance in this, and he's very underpriced. If he does end up starting, I think everybody kind of expects Pulse Camp. Um, but maybe if you if you want to take a big flyer uh, on a on an old goalkeeper that has one more chance to play, um, Melia might be might be your guy there. Um, any other thoughts here around MLS signings, trades, outgoing transfers? I think there's we one, hit so there's one thing everything. that I'm, I'm watching pretty pretty intense is a situation of Eric Williamson because he wasn't played in Portland last game before yeah. the uh, uh, before the playoffs, and I got the full bar, so I got the limited, rare, and super rare of him, and I think he's a really good player. Yeah, and uh, there was rumors he's going to uh, New England. Uh, directly behind Carlos Hill, and uh, this would be uh, uh, a jackpot for me because I think yeah. then he's really, really starting producing. But I haven't heard anything anymore, and I hope, um, especially after the World Cup, now it's and um, so there is some some uh, new information about that. But because I, I don't think or I hope at least that he's not uh, being a sub any uh, in the, in Portland any longer because this is simply his. Uh, Way too talented for that. Let, let's see how this develops, but this is the only thing I want to add now. If he does stay in Portland too, that Evander signing helps a lot if he can break back into the team, which I he's too talented to not be on that team. So um, I think either way, you might, you might be okay on Eric Williamson being a little underrated. Um, any last thoughts, uh, Nash, here before we wrap things up? No, no, just, uh, yeah, everyone should keep an eye on, on what's going on because we've, this we love it with so rare and the MLS is with every move there's knock-on effects, butterfly effects, new opportunities, more speculation. So it's the one of the funnest times of the season is the off-season leading up to it. It's getting close enough now where yeah, keep an eye on some news and hopefully uh, hopefully that yeah we use our footballing soccer knowledge or whatever to to make ourselves some good decisions on so rare. So that's what it's all about, right? Can't wait till we hit that January transfer window and we start making these deals official. And- Oh, it's going to be great. It's that time of year. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Mike. We appreciate your time. Obviously, hope Germany did a little bit better. Obviously, all of our teams are now out of the World Cup, so uh, it'll be fun to watch the the final four here for the last uh, last few games of this uh, of this World Cup season. Um, but yeah, any last thoughts for the people, Mike? Mm, yeah, first of all, wish you a knock or I will not be before Christmas um, talking to you again. So Merry Christmas already. Happy New Year 2023 and wish you some lucky signings. <laughs> That's what we need, right? Lucky signings. Lucky signings for everyone. 